Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book, Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. I saw last week together that uh, there was a progression in the parables, and just to remind you here that uh, in the first parable, the sower sowed the seed, and the seed was the good seed, the word of the kingdom, the word of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. But in this parable, uh, the, the, the seed becomes people. In other words, we become seed. So in the first parable, we receive the seed. In the second parable, we, co- we become the seed. That's the whole point here. So now, there's the introduction of two seeds. In the first parable, there's only one seed, the seed of the word, and different types of ground. But in the second parable, we have the number two, and whenever you see the number two, it either has a positive or a negative meaning. If you have one plus one, which equals two, everybody agree with that? That one plus one equals two, it's always the number of witness and unity. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So one with one equals two. Jesus sent uh, the 72 by two in every city whither he himself would come. He sent the 12 apostles out two by two uh, into every city whether he himself would come. So every city had two witnesses. So one with one equals two. It's the number of two witnesses. But when you get one against one, it's the number of division. One against one equals two, but it's the number of division. It's a split. Okay, so here in this parable, the introduction of the number two, because we have two seeds, wheat and tares. We're going to be looking at them in a short while here. So it's one against one, wheat against tares, tares against wheat. It's the number of division. So division is introduced here. The first parable, we have one seed. In the second parable, we have two seeds. Now we saw last week who the man was. Who's the man here? Jesus. Uh, Remember, if you were not here last week, just for your benefit, in verses 24 through to 30, uh, Jesus gives the parable. And in verses 36 through to 43, he gives the interpretation of the parable. So he interprets the first parable to the multitude and interprets the second parable to the disciples. So we have no mistake here in verse uh, 37. He that sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. So who is the man here? Let's say it all, the Son of Man. Okay, so the man here is the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the good seed... Jesus interprets it very clearly in verse 38. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Now, I've emphasized that before, but I want you to pick it up because, as I said, next week when we get into the next parable, we're involving seed again. So first parable is seed. Second parable is two seeds. Third parable is the mustard seed. So we're developing this seed theme. But the seed changes. So it's the word of the kingdom in the first parable. It's the children of the kingdom in the second parable. So the good seed are the children of the kingdom. And then we're told we sow good seed. So it's sowing time. It's not yet harvest time. You get that down here, but it's sowing time. So the first parable is sowing time. And this is sowing time at the beginning here. All right, so the Son of Man sowed the children of the kingdom, scattered the church abroad to take the gospel of the kingdom to every every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation, as we see represented here tonight. All right, then he says here, in his field, and there's no mistake about it, Jesus said, the field is the world. Everybody say the world. 
So the field is the world. It's his field, not the devil's field. This world really is my father's world. Amen? But the enemy is sowed in his field. So there's good seed sown in the field and there's uh, evil seed. But while men slept, and we saw last week the true church history, and then our sort of final session, we hope we get there, that uh, uh, over church history, men have slept. Instead of watching the field against the enemy and see... Uh, one of the, one of the uh, customs back there in, uh, in this, in this uh, era of time was that when a farmer would sow good seed in his field, he used to have watchmen watching the field because there were always enemies that would come in if the watchmen were not awake and they would go into the field and they would sow corruption of seed and bring about mixture. And so this is what happened in church history in the book of Acts uh, in the Gospels, pardon me, we have Parable 1. In Parable 2, we have the book of Acts. And we see the mixture coming into the kingdom. So while men slept, while ministries, while oversight, while leaders in the church slept, the enemy came, his enemy came. And just as the enemy would come into a, uh, a, another person's field and sow diverse seed, so this is exactly what happened here throughout church history. Men sleeping and God trying to tell us to wake up. So his enemy... And Jesus interprets this part of the parable. Remember, we're working the jigsaw puzzle and Jesus is taking all the parts of the parable and making something out of them. So I'm just following in his steps. So he says here, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. No mistake about that. So the enemy is the devil and he's my enemy and he's your enemy. How many know he, he hates the church? All right, so he sowed tares among the wheat. He sowed tares among the wheat. I want you to turn back to, oh, let's see. Yes, uh, let's turn back to a couple of scriptures on this because now with the introduction of the tares, we have mixture. And I want you to look at a couple of laws in the Old Testament. Uh, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 19 and uh, also Deuteronomy 22. So let's uh, look at Leviticus 19 verse 19. I wonder if somebody could get me a glass of holy water, please. Thank you. All right, Leviticus 19, verse 19, and that's corresponded also at the same time with Deuteronomy 22. So Leviticus 19, verse 19, and Deuteronomy chapter 22, and verses 9 through to 11. Now the whole point in these verses here shows that God hates mixture. God hates mixture. And now in this parable, as in parable 7, we have mixture in the kingdom. Weed and tares, good and bad fish. Mixture in the kingdom. Now the law back in Leviticus 19, and I'm reading from old King James here, and verse 19 it says, You shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. And here's the part we're looking at here. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Okay, so mixture in the cattle, mixture in the, in, in the field. So you will not sow your field with mingled seed, neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. So three illustrations where God hates mixture. Mixture among certain breed of cattle, mixture among uh, sowing seed in the field, mingled seed, mixture of seed and mingled in certain garments. Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, 22 says the same thought. 
but just uses a different word to the word mingle. Thou shalt not, verse 9, Deuteronomy 22 and verse 9, Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with divers seeds. Why? Lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. You'll notice, divers seed, mixture of seed, and the result is the fruit of the seed which is sown and the fruit of the vineyard be defiled. The seed and the fruit are defiled by mixture. I sometimes use this to, uh, uh, in, uh, in a preacher's uh, uh, session, particularly when I'm talking to ministers sometimes, that I, I believe that every church, and I believe that Waverly Christian Fellowship is God's vineyard. How many believe that? And people ask me about who we have on the platform and so, uh, so forth. I say, well, to tell you the truth, I'm very particular who I let on this platform. And they say, well, why, you know? I said, because this is God's vineyard. And he said, we're not to sow our vineyard with mingled seed or diver seeds and a mixture of seeds. So whoever comes onto this platform, I like to make sure they've got a good, pure seed of the word. Can you say amen? Because otherwise we defile. It can just be a mixture. Some good, some bad. And I've seen this over the years where every Tom, Dick and Harry have been on people's platform and they have some of the weird doctrines, some good things, some bad things, and that church has eventually become defiled. The fruit and the seed has become defiled by mixture of ministry on the platform. So we try to watch the vineyard here and only have good seed and cross-pollinate to get the best. How many can say amen? And then verse 10 and 11 says the same thing as back in Leviticus. You will not plow with an ox and an ass together. And you can get more two opposites than an ox and a stupid donkey. And I could give you a whole message on that for an hour. Um, being unequal, unequally yoked together in ministry. And some ministries are real oxen and have a servant spirit and plow and plow out the seed, but some are just donkeys. Stubborn, muley. Don't look at me now. I'm, I'm not looking at How many know what I'm talking about? And you try and yoke them together. I better not say what I'm thinking. Get behind me. Okay? Uh, and the same, same truth in verse 11. You will not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of wool and linen together. So the whole point is God hates mixture. So the mixture of seeds. So the enemy came, who is the devil, and he sowed tares among the wheat. We want to get on to that in a little while. And he went his way. Now the tares are interpreted. I want you to listen carefully because remember all these parables are mysteries of the kingdom. That which can only be known to the initiated. So Jesus says the tares are the children of the wicked one. Okay, now I want to ask you a question and not answer it yet, but do you think the tares uh, as the children of the wicked one are sinners that are sown among the saints in a church? Do you think half the church here tonight a bunch of sinners, unconverted? Think about it between now and the end of the message, we'll get back to it. All right, and he went his way. And see, just as the Lord has faith in the seed he sows, the devil has faith in the seed he sows. He just knew all he had to do was sow this mixture, this mingled seed, or tears amongst the wheat, and he knew that the same sun and the same rain 
that brings up the wheat would bring up the tares. The same rain and sun that matures the wheat would mature the tares. So he went his way and the devil had faith in the seed, the evil seed that he'd sown. All right, now, as we see in verse 9, the blade sprang up and brought forth fruit. Now, let me say this, that uh, you can't tell the difference between wheat and tares for a long time. They both look the same externally. That's a point to keep in mind. So as they grow together, you can't tell the difference between wheat and tares. Uh, different translations, uh, let me see, I've got a bunch of translations here. I prefer to use the word tear. Uh, some of the translations say thistles, that the enemy sowed thistles. Some say he sowed weeds. Some use the word darnel. Uh, others say darnel weeds, and others say darnel or black wild wheat, amplified. So I'm going to use the word tear and explain uh, what I understand that to be uh, in due time here. So he went his way having faith that the seed would grow up. So the blade sprung up, brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Now as the tares and the wheat grew together, eventually the servants of the household, who were, I believe were the men that slept, instead of watching the vineyard and watching the field, uh, they slept and now they, suddenly there's an awakening that comes. And I believe that God's awakening the servants of the household today, awakening the leaders and ministry today, waking up the church, can you say amen? And uh, they see that God, uh, that they came to the household and said, oh, you sowed good seed. How did the evil seed get, get there? How did the tares get there? And uh, I suppose he told them, though it's not all said here, well, while you were sleeping, the enemy came this. Well, he implied that. Well, he said, an enemy has done this. So they said, oh, well, will we go and gather up the tares? And he said, no, let's rooting up the tares, you'll root out the wheat. And remember, as I said, at the beginning, you can't tell the difference between the wheat and the tares of the wheat and the darnel. They both grow together, and you know, I believe there's a, um, a sort of a principle of church discipline here too. Sometimes, I, over my many years in ministry now, sometimes I've seen things happen in a church, and people have come to me and say, oh Kevin, why don't you deal with this? Why don't you hand? Why don't you just go? I say, no, 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 just let's hold a little bit, because in tearing out the tares, and I'd like to tear out the tares, you can tear out the wheat and you can, you can uh, destroy young believers in doing this. But sometimes God lets things grow and go for a while until the wheat is mature enough to handle this. And sometimes people say, well, Kevin, you're pretty slow on things. Why don't you, don't you see what's happening? Don't you see this? I say, well, yeah, I am a bit slow because sometimes this has to work where you have to leave things just grow together until a certain time. And then the Lord says, okay, now it's time. The wheat can handle it, the people can handle it, you can deal with this. How many understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's a good principle even of church discipline. All right, so the Lord said, no, uh, you might weed out the, uh, the wheat in rooting out the tares, so let both grow together till a certain time until the harvest. And Jesus takes this part up, makes no mistake about it. He says, the harvest is the end of the world. So, sowing time and growing time and reaping time. Harvest, the end of the age. The word world there is simply age. Harvest is the end of the age. And we talk about uh, uh, decade of harvest. How many believe we are in harvest time? And uh, therefore, we're in the time of the fulfillment, fulfillment of this parable. As, uh, as I said, I'll bring them all together and see what's happened through church history 
And here we are, uh, the, 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 the gospel's parable one, and it's still the sowing of seed in various nations. Parable two, the book of Acts, still mixture right down to the end of the age. And we're, seeing, we're living in the time of the greatest mixture today. That's for sure. Syncretistic religion. We'll see. All right, till the harvest. So in the time of the harvest, he says to the reapers, and I want to throw this thought into your mind. He says, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels. The word angel, uh, the Greek word um, angelos, is simply messenger. And sometimes it refers to angelic beings. Sometimes it refers to human beings. So write to the seven angels of the seven churches. So we know that not the uh, angels over the churches are not angelic beings. Uh, because he says to one angel, you've left your first love, to another angel, I'm going to spew you out, and to another angel, you've, uh, you've got false doctrine, you're committing fornication, and to another angel, this, no. If he was writing those letters in the churches, the seven angels, angelic spirit beings, they'd be fallen angels. So he's writing to the messenger of the seven local churches. And these seven local churches correspond with the seven parables that we're looking at. Okay, so the messenger. So the word angel, I believe, has a, has a double significance there, uh, angelic beings and yet also human beings, leadership as uh, we'll uh, develop it a bit more in a moment. So you'll notice here, once the harvest comes, he says to the reapers, he doesn't say, listen to what he doesn't say, he doesn't say, gather the wheat first into my heavenly garner by a secret rapture. Now I don't want to rupture the rapture, I believe in a rapture, but not a secret one, not a sneaky one. I'm going out victorious. How many are coming with me? I'm not going out the back door as the devil rushes in the front door. Okay? So if you're a sneaky rapturite, that's okay. But it doesn't say gather the wheat first here. It says bind the tares first into bundles. We'll talk about those bundles too and then gather the wheat into my barn. Now, I want to use the uh, whiteboard a little bit here. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 3 for a moment. Genesis chapter 3. I want you to keep in mind what I've been saying about the uh, so Genesis chapter 3 and we'll pick up in uh, verse uh, 15 Genesis 3 and verse 15 the fall has just taken place and in verse uh, perhaps we'll pick up in verse 14 to lead into it and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, uh, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I'll, uh, I'll put something on the overhead just after I just sort of start this off for you here. Now, 
what, what I'm linking up here is in parable one, there's seed. In parable two, there's mixture of seed. Parable three, there's mustard seed. Parable four, we have meal that comes from seed. So there's a progression there. Now, the first thing that we have here, way back in Genesis 3 and verse 15, we have the, the beginning of uh, what is shadowed forth in this parable, and that's two seeds. So first of all, we have the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman, and then we have the seed of the serpent. So the Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now that doesn't mean women hate snakes. <laughs> Probably does, but I think it's more than that. Because the woman represents the church, and later on we're going to get to a woman in the middle parable who puts leaven in meal. So here we have this seed of the woman and seed of the serpent, and there's a bruising on both sides. He said, the seed of the serpent will bruise the seed of the woman, the heel. And so we have a bruised heel. And then over here, it says, the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head. I want you to listen to the language there. So we've got seed of the woman, seed of the serpent, bruise, bruise, a heel, a bruised heel, and a bruised heel, a head here. Now let's turn to two other scriptures here. I'd like you to turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, verse uh, 16. And uh, while you're holding that, connect it up with 2 Thessalonians. So, Two scriptures I want you to look at here. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So the mystery of godliness. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, no, verse 7. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Now, as we begin this theme here, and I'll put, I'll put the rest on the overhead, but I want you to see it here. We have the beginning of two mysteries here. We have the mystery of godlikeness, the mystery of godliness. Godliness. And over here we have the mystery of lawlessness. Mystery of iniquity, a mystery of lawlessness. So here, right back in Genesis, we have the beginning of the two seed lines. Now, Jesus is using the parable of uh, wheat and tares here. But it's the same thought. So the mystery of godliness and mystery of lawlessness. So what, is Jesus, what does the word say? I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. So right in the middle, if you're taking notes down, you can put this word enmity or warfare. Spiritual warfare began right here. Conflict. So I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman. So warfare and conflict, and it began right there. Now, let's just put this on the overhead, 
and see how this thing goes right through to the parable that we're looking at. And don't try and take it all down. I want to finish this. Okay, so what I put on the board, I just want to break it up so your eyes run too fast here. So over on this side, the seed of the woman and the bruising of the he and the mystery of godliness, we have all these types of Christ. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Shem, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, David, right through to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Okay, so all types of Christ, right through here. And each of them have some characteristic of Christ. Christ is able to shepherd. Enoch is the one who conquers death. Noah is the one who gives us rest in a triune act and so forth. Abraham, the everlasting father. Isaac, the only begotten son. Jacob, the anointer of Bethel. Joseph, the only begotten son. Uh, beloved son, rejected. Moses, the prophet, prophet, priest, and king. Aaron, the high priest. David, the king of the a tribe of Judah, all shadowing Christ. Now, on the other line, we have all these types of the Antichrist, serpent seed, and we see the warfare and the conflict between the two seeds. And it's interesting when you study the generations of the godly, you have ten generations, but in the line of Cain, you have six generations. And from the line of Cain, we go way down to Ham, Nimrod, the 13th from Adam, a rebel, Ishmael, and so Nimrod, Ham is against Shem, Nimrod is against Abraham, Ishmael is against Isaac, Esau is against Jacob, and Dan is the serpent in the household of faith, and then against Moses and Aaron, the two witnesses, we have Jans and Jabries, two magicians, Satan's two witnesses, Saul is against David. So you have this warfare, this conflict, of the two seed lines right through to the Christ and the Antichrist. If you're taking that down, all you can do now is put underneath this wheat and tares. Wheat and tares. So all this thing has been shattered forth and what Jesus is doing way down here is just taking the wheat, the good seed, and taking the tares, Children of the wicked one, mystery of iniquity, mystery parables of the kingdom. Character of the wheat is interesting, and character of the tares. As I said, you cannot tell the difference between wheat and tares for some time. And uh, the same sun and rain that ripens and mature the, uh, matures the wheat ripens the uh, tares also. Now, remember in John chapter 12, 24, Jesus said, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die and abideth alone. So Jesus is the corn of wheat that fell into the ground and died. And from his death, other corns of wheat, grains of wheat, came to birth. Out of death comes birth. So the church came to birth. And then as the grain of wheat goes through this, and we go through a death-resurrection process, and uh, that's the whole story in itself, the life of a grain of wheat that the starch in the grain of wheat has to turn to sugar, and the breaking of the outer shell, then life comes forth and the root goes down. You have to grow through the storm and everything like that. Now, it's interesting that wheat ripens by absorbing light. And wheat has to have chaff. I, I, I always get sort of tied up on this a little bit. I'll try not to. But you see, chaff is not always sin. Chaff is necessary to wheat 
when it's in the milk stage. Now let, let, let's think about that. So wheat ripens by absorbing light and uh, char uh, the, the chaff is necessary to the wheat while it's in the milk stage. How many have been, ever been on a wheat farm? Okay, I used to work on a wheat farm and when wheat is young, you can open it and just chew it and it's got milk in it, so it's at the milk stage. But once it comes to maturity and gets out of the milk stage, then it gets into the threshing floor. So there's a lot of things that go on in way of the Christian fellowship and most churches that are chaff. They're not necessarily sinful, but once we come to maturity, you're not going to need them. That's a message in itself there. I'll let the Holy Spirit interpret you what I'm saying. So uh, while we're in the milk stage, immature, and have need of milk, we need the chaff. And see, some people say, oh, well, I've grown up mature. Why don't you, Kevin, why don't you get rid of all the chaff in way of the Christian fellowship? Hey, so just a moment. You mature one. When you're mature, you're going to go into God's thrashing floor. So you lose the chaff when it's mature. Now, the, 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 the tear, listen to this about the tears, before it comes to the ear, it is very similar to the wheat. You cannot tell the difference. But the problem is, tears, as they start to mature, they have long ears. <laughs> Check your ears out here. <laughs> And, and, and in contrast to wheat, once the harvest comes, the wheat always bows its head. But the, the tares stand stiffly erect. And here's the subtle thing, that once the tares have come to maturity, it has a black poisonous seed in it. And you know what now, listen to this, I don't want to sound bad here, but I'm going to just put it as the Jews put it. You know what the Jews call uh, tares? They call it a bastard wheat. It is wheat, and you listen to it, it is wheat that has degenerated, apostatized, degenerate wheat. And the Amplified translates it right, a black wild wheat. And if you harvest the wheat and the tares together and you don't separate them, what happens? The black wheat, that poisonous seed, if it's mingled in with flour and cooked in the bread, it brings about dizziness in those that eat it. There's plenty of spiritual lessons there because some of God's people are dizzy with the stuff they eat because it's mixture. Black poison seed. So, uh, if you don't bow your head, <laughs> I'll have to check whether you're standing stiffly erect or whether you bow your head, <laughs> whether you're tear or wheat, tear you out or not, okay, figuratively. But see, it's the mystery of iniquity and mystery of godliness working together. I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 7 here. Matthew chapter 7.
And I know this is a scripture that's uh, probably puzzled many of us, and we try to find an escape answer, as most churches do. But it's uh, something we deal with when we're dealing uh, with ministers particularly. But uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, and I want you to connect it with uh, also Luke 13. So can we turn that? I'm just watching my time. I do need to finish this tonight. Uh, so Luke 13 and Matthew 7. So listen to Matthew 7 and get Luke 13. In verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets. So if you have true prophets, you're going to have false prophets. If you've got true apostles, you have false apostles. If you've got true teeth, you'll have false teeth. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know. Everything false is going to be removed. How many are glad for that? <laughs> <laughs> and you want our sisters she praised God for her two teeth and even if they didn't meet <laughs> alright so beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing oh, but inwardly they are ravening wolves so they must have scunned some poor sheep alive so when they opened their mouth and spoke they had a wolfish accent you shall know them by their gifts and say that why is it saying in your Bible you'll know them by their fruit do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles even so every good tree which bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither can a corrupt tree bring forth evil uh, good fruit every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire wherefore not by their gifts or by their charisma, by their fruit, you shall know them. And fruit is the character of the tree. You see, as the wheat and the tares grow together, the seed of the woman, seed of the serpent, what happens in harvest time, and this is always frightening to me, it's a good healthy fear that God puts in us, the inner nature and character of the person manifests itself. And this is what I believe is going on today. I believe the inner nature and character of leadership and believers is being manifest. Things have just been going on just great for years and nobody could tell the difference. But the men are being sorted out from the boys, the tares, and the weed are being exposed. It's harvest time. And you see, the thing is, the tear is not contrary to a lot of the exposed, and I disagree agreeably as long as they're agreeable with me, or disagree agreeably, that's okay, but the tares are not sinners. The tares are apostate wheat. Listen to the language now as I continue here. Wherefore, by their gifts, no, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, I know that the average church applies this to the sinner and say, these people were never converted. They were sinners, they were professors. No, this is concerning Pentecostal, charismatic people who have apostatized and become bastard wheat, degenerate wheat, illegitimate wheat and the inner nature and character has come out because outwardly they... Now, let's apply it to a sinner. I, I might be shocking some of you, but that's if I can shock you into truth and shock you over to keep being wheat and not become a tear. Great. See, sinners don't call Jesus Lord. 
It's very significant. I've mentioned this before. I've heard sinners take the name of Jesus Christ in vain. They'll say Jesus or Jesus Christ or Christ Almighty. But have you ever heard a sinner say Lord Jesus Christ? Never once have I heard it. That's reserved to when every knee shall bow and every tongue be forced to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But these people call Jesus Lord and nobody can say Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Number two, second characteristic here, they prophesied. Are the sinners prophesying today? No, this is Pentecostal charismatic people. And they prophesied in thy name. And it says, in thy name have cast out devils. They exorcised devils and exorcised them. So do you see the sinners going around casting out devils today? And in thy name have done many wonderful works, works of power, energy. No, it's that whole religious thing. I don't know how many of you uh, get hold of New Life. Uh, someone gave me this photocopy. Uh, Faith in the melting pot, this WCC. Now, that's not Waverley Christian College. Okay? It's World Council Churches. Let me say it kindly, truthfully. I have to be honest with the word. But the bundles are being gathered today. And you can see the Mormon bundle and the Jehovah's Witness bundle and the Spiritist bundles and the Satanist churches bundles and the World Council of Churches bundle and the National Council of Churches. All these bundles of tears, that religious thing that denies the Bible and denies the inspiration of Scripture, denies the virgin birth, doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, doesn't believe in the resurrection. And then you have blasphemous stuff here like this in Canada. I even hate to defile the tape word, but this uh, uh, person... Mm, <laughs> is it a man or is it a woman? What is it? Ms. Song Haiyang Kaiyang, a minister of the Presbyterian Church, not my church, in the Republic of Korea, professor at Hiwa Ha, Women's University, Seoul. She's in this press conference and so as she stands up, she invoked the presence of the dead with a candle burning on each side. Come, the spirit of Hagar, Egyptian, a black slave woman exploited and abandoned by Abraham and Sarah. Come, the spirit of Uriah. Come, the spirit of Jephthah's daughter. Come, the spirit of male babies killed by Herod. Come, the spirit of Jonah. Come, the spirit of other people. Come, the spirit of indigenous people. Come, the spirit of Jewish people killed in the gas chambers. Come, the spirit killed in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Have a sucky by atomic bombs. Come the spirit of Korean women. Come the spirit of Vietnamese. Come the spirit of Mahatma Gandhi, Steve Biko, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm. Oh, you there, Malcolm? Uh, come the spirit of people killed in Chernobyl. The spirit of people, and on she goes. And then come the spirit of earth and the spirit of soul. And at this point, she burnt the list. Then continued. I came from Korea. The land of the spirits full of Han. Han is anger. Han is resentment. Han is bitterness. Han is grief. Han is brokenhearted. And then she goes on that these handwritten spirits in our people's history have been agents through whom the Holy Spirit has spoken her compassion and wisdom for life. Without hearing the cries of these spirits, we cannot hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I hope the presence of all our ancestor spirits here with us shall not make you uncomfortable for they are the icons of the Holy Spirit who became tangible and visible to us. And if I wasn't Australian, I'd say... (laughs) (laughs) 
How many know what I'm talking about? That religious thing. And you see the tears getting into their bundles today and they're gathering in. Oh, there's more talk about unity today, but as I tell ministers, don't mistake John 17 and don't mistake Revelation 17 for John 17. They're both the same chapter number, but one is the mother of all the daughters going back there and one is the true unity that Jesus prayed for. But it's never unity at the expense of truth. Turn to Luke quick, 13 quickly. Look at that time. No, so that's referring to charismatic Pentecostal people who apostatize. I've talked to leaders about it before. Pentecostal charismatic people who speak in tongues, operate the gifts of the Spirit, prophesy, who are homosexual, homosexuals. We have Pentecostal homosexual churches in California. Still operating the gifts, loving one another, married. They are tares, that mixture, that mystery of iniquity. And they're getting into their bundles. Listen to Luke 13, verse 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. The straight gate, for many I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and is shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he will answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then you shall begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in your presence. We've had communion. And you've taught in our streets. High Street Road, 1248 High Street Road. But he will say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you will see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out, and they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And the last will be first. Go back to Matthew 13 after finish on this. Now, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus adds something in the interpretation here that is not, is not in the parable itself. So Matthew 13, verse 40, 40, yeah, 40 through to 43, and we'll finish on this. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this age. The Son of Man, and listen to the language, saints, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it again later on, but I want to sow the seed now. The Son of Man shall send forth his messengers and they shall gather out of his kingdom. Oh, they're already in the kingdom in its present form. All things that offend those of you have the margin, scandals, and think of the scandals in the church today and in the kingdom of God. And them which do iniquity. Oh, you mean they're in the kingdom. How do they get in the kingdom? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. So they were born into the kingdom, but over the years, degenerated, apostatized, turned from the faith. If you can explain how an archangel who covered the guardian throne of God became the devil, then you can explain to me the mystery of iniquity, how a spirit-filled Pentecostal charismatic can become an apostate, how a wheat can become a tear. So, and she'll cast them into a furnace fire, they'll be uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then, when... After the final separation, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun, 
in the kingdom of the Father. Let me just put this and I'll, when we bring all the parables together, I'll do it properly then. But here's what Jesus is saying. I don't know where some of you are in eschatology, but here we are, we'll throw it out. Here we have, I believe, in a millennial kingdom, not a Jewish kingdom, okay, a Christian kingdom. And then we have cross of Jesus here, and we have here this period of time that we're in in the church age, church era, and the kingdom era, and here in this aspect, we have the kingdom in mystery form. And in the kingdom, in its mystery form, we have mixture. Now, let's just sort of put the first part on that we've done. We've got the Gospels, okay? The Gospels, the seed of the kingdom. And that goes right through to here. And then we've got Acts. And now we have mixture in the kingdom. And we've got two seeds. But see, Jesus says, in the end of the age... So we have roughly 2,000 years of the church age. In the end of the age, when all the bundles had got together, and I've named some of them, he'll send forth the messengers and they'll gather into bundles, but the wheat he'll gather into his garden. And then he says, he will gather out of his kingdom. Which kingdom? The kingdom in its present mystery form. He will gather out of his kingdom them that are scandalous, them that do iniquity, and things that offend, but when that is gathered out, then shall the righteous shine forth where? In the kingdom of the Father. There's mixture in the kingdom. It's present age. There will not be mixture in my kingdom. Come back next week for this exciting episode. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.